Welcome to Healing Your Families. I'm Emily Penrod and I help you as a parent go from that frustration, stress, and overwhelm to calm, confidence, and joy so that you can achieve the quality of family life that you desire. I am so excited for today's episode. I have a guest who has handled that probably greatest challenge a parent will ever have to face and that's having a critically ill child. But her name is Carla Italiano and she has excelled in several areas of her life. She's a, a former engineer with a master's degree. She's been successful in corporate life. She's been successful in the marketing world and she's sharing her story now as a mother. Carla, welcome. Thank you so much, Emily. This is such an honor to be on here with you. Thank you for the invitation. I just love your mission so much and all the work that you're doing for families. Well, I'm excited to have you come and tell us what you learned. You know, that I think that's the most heartbreaking news a parent can hear is yeah. when your child is so tell us about it tell us about your journey and what you learned along the way absolutely thanks i would love to and so to um to give you the a, a little spoiler alert my daughter is doing great today she's doing fine which we're so thankful for but our world was totally turned upside down when she was five years old and she was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, my daughter, Clara, is a twin. She's one of three girls that we have, and she was the healthiest girl. I mean, she is still today. She hardly ever got sick and um, was really involved in, in gymnastics and dance and sports, excelling at school, just normal, everyday, typical, amazing, beautiful child that um, nobody would have ever thought something was wrong with her. So when she did start to get sick several days in a row, it really was concerning. And we took her to the doctor, they gave her antibiotics, but that wasn't working. I know she was getting more and more tired. It just wasn't getting better. And uh, so then I made another appointment just to, to take her back again. And um, at this appointment, they noticed she had like some small bruises all over her skin, some strange symptoms. They told us to get her to the emergency room right away. And it was there that she was put through a lot of tests, which looking back, they were just trying to eliminate the possibility that it was anything else. And it was later that night that we received the diagnosis that she uh, was, she had, she had leukemia. And so that began our over two year journey of chemotherapy. And um, for me at this point, you know, you're, you mentioned I, I had been in corporate as an engineer, I had left that career to become an entrepreneurial entrepreneur full time. My first uh, adventure didn't quite go as I was hoping, um, but my second adventure adventure by that point had grown to uh, a place that had given us some stability financially, which was really amazing. Which I think is part of our theme night is like doing things in advance to make hard choices and challenging and, and lock into the habits that create the long-term um, results that you wanted. So that was one thing I was really grateful for because at the time we needed it for her, I had the choice of time. I had built up a, a, a residual, mostly residual income such that 
I then had time freedom to spend with her and help her get better. And I also had the resources because um, my new venture is in health and wellness. And so I had learned so much on our journey. I had laid the foundation, which I would discover also during the time was potentially what saved her life because she got very sick at several points, um, was sedated on a ventilator for almost two weeks in the ICU. She was very, very weak, but it was because we had built this foundation of wellness in her that uh, we were praised for that, sustaining her. So I learned the importance of that and was so thankful that we had taken that, those, you know, challenging steps and, and, and with the family, you know, kind of had those fights over don't eat the extra sugar and let's get the protein and let's get your vitamins and was so grateful for all of it at that point. And, uh, and she pulled through amazingly. We um, continue to advocate for her, you know, two years of chemo will do a lot of things to your body and to your, your brain. And we did a lot during that season to protect her nutritionally. And then long-term we are very focused on her wellness as well as our, all of our other girls are and all of our family. And um, we continue to be thankful for the choices that we can make to continue to support her and all of us and our family. And and so it's my understanding that because she, you had already incorporated this good nutrition, this healthy lifestyle, that that really helped her to get through the, the chemotherapy treatment and didn't that yeah. make it a lot easier for her? Absolutely. Like, for example, we were big on green smoothies and protein shakes and always getting consistent protein throughout the day. And, you know, they, there is um, you know, a protein deficiency is one of the highest risk factors of death when you have an infection, which is what she faced for a time. And it was uh, you know, the extra work that I had done and gone in and gotten some, um, you know, natural practitioners in addition to the, the conventional um, health care that we were getting that they were looking at what we're doing like, oh, my gosh, you were doing this already beforehand, like they were seeing it as part of her healing, but they're like, wow, you know, this just meshes perfectly with her body and what it what she needs to strengthen. We, of course, elevated a lot of things that we were already doing. But yes, because we had Bit. And we're not super strict and, you know, like we have the birthday cake and, and everything, but because we had along the way made very healthy choices for our family, uh, that did lay the groundwork for her, her wellness and potentially even her survival. I, I believe it. I really believe it. Now you also mentioned not only, so some of the hard choices you had to make is, do you make a point of making sure the family eats healthy foods and, and I totally agree, it isn't the occasional birthday cake that's the problem, it's the, you know, what, what do you eat daily? And then not only that, you also mentioned financial preparation. You, because you had made choices earlier to find a job uh, that with residual income, you were then in a position you didn't lose money by taking off work. Right, exactly. And you know, it, that was a hard choice because I have a pretty unconventional career now, what some people would consider. I'm, I'm a network marketer. And you know, that has a lot of stigma because there have been history of people doing it the wrong way, but it's a profession and an industry and a business model that I love. But choosing that way, especially coming from corporate, a lot of people didn't understand, even my family. Um, of course, then I start to get you know recognition and actually see real money. And they're like, oh, this is an actual thing. And you know, she's not chasing me around. 
around and like, okay, I get it. This is legitimate. But in the beginning, especially that was a really hard choice, but I'd never been more thankful than in that time. And my husband, you know, he, he still works a corporate engineering job. That's how we met. But when it came to this season of our life, the company was great in holding on to his job and allowing him to take whatever time off he needed. However, much of that time was unpaid. And so during that season of me stepping back, my income actually went up while his income went down. But what that allowed us was his ability to take time off. And we weren't stressed about the finances because it was still coming in. So he had the, the ability to take off and we would switch you know, because we have three girls. So one was in the hospital and two were at home. So we were, you know, making rotations. A lot of times it was 24 hours and we would switch and you go to the office while the other two were at school. And then we, we switch around, but we had that choice. He had that flexibility because of that, you know, unconventional and challenging decision that I made, not just to pursue it, but then to stay in the game and to build uh, my business to a level that allowed us to, to be sustained. Well, I'm seeing a couple of other decisions or choices that you and your husband made. He must have been a valued employee. He must have contributed enough value to the company that they were willing to get flexible. And even though, you know, it was unpaid, they still allowed him to take that leave, allowed for that situation. But there was also, I'm looking at the choices you made in your relationship with your husband you whatever happened choices you made before contributed to this this very cooperative relationship of of filling in as needed and i i think i'm thinking it must have taken quite a bit of communication to work that out yeah, that is true. And I will say that it is during a season of a childhood having a or child having a diagnosis like this, that a lot of um, marriages do not mm-hmm. endure. And having gone through that, those challenges, I see where that's a possibility, but you're absolutely right. Communication is so important. And I think something that happened during that season that was really hard for me is there were times where I felt like you're observing and maybe because I'm sharing it, it's coming off that we were doing great. We were being communicative. We had to decide on her, um, her treatment. We had different options because she had this rare kind of leukemia. And I felt like we were really communicating, but sometimes in those seasons, even though I felt we were doing well, he felt like we weren't. And I think there were seasons like in his mind where, you know, one thing was going wrong, which was our daughter situation and everything was going wrong, even though I perceived it right. So it was more than just communicating to make sure things are okay is communicating to make sure that that we're perceiving it as okay and whatever problem even if I don't perceive a problem if you do let's talk about it and so even getting to that point where I realized that we that we weren't seeing it the same regardless of how we're doing that required an additional level of communication but I'm you know I'm so thankful and we have a great relationship and we've certainly had our ups and downs in our marriages but um, we are solid and I think through that process it helped to even draw us closer together. The key is that when there was a stress when there was this challenge you were able to pull together rather than pulling separately. I know I have experienced sometimes 
we just we recently celebrated our 49th wedding anniversary and I know we get to the point where we've been married so long we just assume I will think something and then somehow think that I must have told him when in fact I just thought it it was still in my head so it's easy enough to have that miss that kind of a misunderstanding Yes, well, congratulations on your anniversary. That is outstanding. But then also, there is, there was more to your life than your daughter. And, and it has to be. As critical as your daughter's health is, I think there's, there was still time you were nurturing that relationship with your husband. You were nurturing the relationships with the other two daughters. I'm sure you still had to maintain the home, pay the bills, get the groceries, right? Yes. I remember just craving normalcy. And sometimes going to get the groceries was nice. It was a break. And I would see people doing normal things. And I kind of envied them. I'm like, oh, I want to be the mom whose biggest problem is that my toddler in the seat won't be quiet. Like, I longed for that. But then I also just enjoyed being out of the you know, chaos of the, the hospital once in a while too. But yeah, I and mean, we were having to manage our relationships there, manage the home and the other daughters. But I also am thankful we were able to incorporate the daughters, my other, her sisters in our healing. There was, um, and when she was first diagnosed with cancer, it was, this was all pre-COVID, but it was during flu season and the hospital had a rule that child visitors were not allowed in the hospital during flu season. This really was concerning to me because Clara is a twin. She has a twin sister and a big sister. She's never been apart from either of them overnight ever in her life. She's five years old. And when she was first diagnosed, they were giving her quite a few blood transfusions, but they weren't holding. They, she, they weren't, they're having to give more and more. She just wasn't getting any stronger. And she required a surgery to initially place her porch, which was going to be part of her long-term treatment. And she just wasn't in a place stable enough to have that surgery. So I begged and begged for an exception because, and there's pictures of, uh, of, um, on that we've, that we've shared and posted, maybe I can share with you later, but there's pictures of the Swiss, the two sisters outside in the courtyard of the hospital, waving up to their daughter up to our other daughter their sister in in the room and it's heartbreaking um, but also sweet that they would be there for her day and night um, but finally after lots of asking they did grant us an exception i asked for her to be able to see her sisters they wouldn't allow them to come into the room but they were able to meet into the the waiting area and just be together and play together and talk for a couple hours you know after that the very next day, she gained her strength enough that they were able to go forward with the surgery that she needed. And so for me, I, I love that they were part of her healing. And so, you know, and we share that story with them. So they know that, you know, and we try to communicate a lot and be, you know, like Claire is really sick. She's our focus, but we love you too. And we're going to trade off. And I really made it a point to be present with them when I was with them and then present with my daughter in the hospital, but then also say like, Claire needs you. And we would also, when she was, um, you know, sedated for that time in the ICU, I knew that 
her brain was still working, her ears were still working. So I would record the voices of her sisters at home when I took my shift at home. And then when I went to the hospital, I would play them for her over and over again so that she could hear them. And I would read to her while she was sleeping and everything. And there's no way to know for sure if that was helpful or not. And she doesn't remember any of it, but I was like anything, you know, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally that I can do to enhance her chance of healing. I was all in. That is brilliant. And I know the the subconscious is always listening. So I, I love that, that she could still hear her sister's voices. She could hear you reading to her. She probably heard the love in your voice. That is powerful. I just love that powerful story of the healing power of love. Thank you. Oh, here, and I do have a picture of during the journey. You can see she has a hat on because her hair had fallen out. Um, this was us just kind of relaxing on the bed and I snapped this quick selfie, but um, just a moment in time in our journey. And, uh, and she is, she's doing well today, which I'm really thankful for. Yes, in two years. So this is some, a, 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 a challenge your family went through for two years. And in what ways did it help you draw closer together? Yes, well, I think the examples of, of allowing all the girls to know that they were important to each other and being mindful of this situation where we were separated much of the time as a family and really valuing that time together. Um, whenever we were home, we would just make it a point to enjoy each other. Um, you know, we were granted a make-a-wish trip, um, which part of that joy is just getting to spend that time together and really bond as a family. And I think, um, again, trying to keep as much normalcy as possible was really helpful. Keeping the routines, keep, um, you know, the food going, keep uh, the play dates going. Also, you know, we had friends who would, re who would recommend different camps, like painting camps or art camps that were happening that first, she was diagnosed in March. So she didn't finish her kindergarten year, but then that summer was really intense. So we kept the other girls busy with normal activities or sports things as much as possible um, so that we could still, you know, celebrate them and, and, and feel like a family. And you touched on something I, I really want to talk about, and that's how friends and extended family also supported you. I think the most touching story I have ever heard is of the parents of a medically fragile child who really felt that they could never leave their child. They, they had not even been out, gone out to dinner, you know, the two of them, uh, for years. And a neighbor came to them and said, train me in how to care for your daughter so I can give you just a couple of hours to go out together. And what a beautiful gift, just getting that kind of support what were some of the ways that extended family and friends helped you? Yes, uh, seeing that support from community is so humbling because people really stepped up in a big way. Somebody started a meal train for us. And they were delivering meals for us. At the time she was diagnosed, my in-laws from Italy had actually just arrived. So they were in town and there, there's a bit of a um, language barrier because they don't speak much English. And so, um, you know, we had, we had their support, but we need additional. And so my parents came as well. So we were surrounded by our family, but then um, people just flooded us with 
cards, with toys, with um, thoughts and mementos. And, you know, one of the simplest things that was really meaningful to Clara was how many people sent her cards. They would send her cards directly. And that moved me too. Uh, you know, just to think, because a lot of times it people I didn't really know, but maybe like a friend of a friend shared our story on Facebook and they would reach out. And then back at their home church, they would organize a Sunday school class to all write cards to Clara. And we would get those packages and it would just be so humbling for me. And Clara would read through every single one. And then we would tape them all up on the walls because they were kind of, you know, boring colored walls and that made them really colorful. It was a simple thing, but that was so moving to feel that support from the community. And you were talking about the normalcy, keeping the routine going. Well, you know, in times of extreme stress, isn't that when nutrition becomes even more important? Yes, absolutely. I am so thankful even for myself that I had that foundation of wellness going into it because you know, I had a system of, of convenient foods that were healthy, like shakes and bars, such that even when I was nervous and didn't feel like eating, but I knew I needed nutrition, I had a way to get it. I was already in the routine or even, you know, when I was tempted to overindulge because of my emotions, I had, you know, something to keep that foundation. Um, you know, I'm still involved and in, in just connected to groups. Like there's one called Momcology, which is just like, it sounds, it's moms of kids who are in treatment or have been in treatment or even who are bereaved who've lost their children. And um, I would say one of the number one things that comes out of those conversations is those parents say, I wish I had paid attention to my self-care more. And I have to say, I, I had to shift my habits. Like I went from lifting weights in the gym to doing more yoga in the hospital room. And I went from maybe doing like all out affirmations to like listening to guided meditation. So like my habits shifted, but I had the habits that laid the foundation um, that allowed me to really um, you know, keep my, my, my own health in check as I made her health a priority. I mean, it's, and that's so important. And for her, you know, I was cooking meals at home and bringing them and going to get the, the best that I could because the options in the hospital are not really healthy. You'd think they would be for, uh, you know, cancer patients, especially, but as always, we should always be advocating for our own health for ourselves and our family. And, um, you know, I really found this to be the case for our family. I'm so thankful again for the choices I'd made along the way that led to that later. It's like, you know, boosting our immune system and all the habits we can do, all the vitamins and supplements, the rest and exercise. It's not something we can like, wait till we get sick. We're like, oh, I need to boost my immune system. No, it's the daily efforts and habits and nutrition and rest and exercise that boost it, that help us to stay healthy long-term. So when you talk about the hard choices now equals more choices later, you're talking about those habits that you made the choice to establish these habits in your family. And once more, they were getting enough rest, getting adequate exercise, um, eating the, the proper nutrition. And so establishing those habits meant and then the habits with your work with having the residual income so you 
you could still earn income even if you weren't working. Now, what have I missed? What are those had those habits you set? Hard choices you make to set those habits. Let's just just recap those quickly. Yes. No, I I think that is key, and and these are all areas that I'm still growing in. So I'm in no way you know perfect in this, but I think it is again just to point out the power of the small choices that we take on a daily basis. And it's simply those choices that are in alignment with the ideal outcome that we want with or without a traumatic event, ideally without. So like, hopefully nobody else is going to go through something like that. However, if we all keep in mind that that ideal version of ourselves, that ideal health that we want, that ideal level of activity, that I ideal, even um, you know, a couple of weekends ago, I was invited to go on a field trip with my oldest daughter to Washington, DC. We walked so much. And I'll say even saying it now, I feel crazy, but it was a challenge. And it wasn't just me, like our, their teacher is a first year out of college teacher. He's like 21 years old. He was in fit, like a track star, went to state. He was sore for a week after that. We basically watched, walked the equivalent of a marathon in two days, right? But it was because I had not only the stamina, but the confidence that I could do it because I work out regularly. I take care of my body. So it's, it's not just during the bad times that we're looking for it. I had a choice to be able to go on that trip because of those daily habits. And sometimes the inconvenient habits of like turning down the thing that, that might not be in alignment and saying yes. And the longer you do it, the more, the easier it is. Right. I think mindset is such a key in this. And that's why I like to talk about what's the ideal version of ourselves, eating, exercising, doing, um, you know, putting away, for later, like building for income, et cetera. What is that ideal version? And do a little bit of that every day. And that's going to add up to more choices later. Beautiful, beautiful. And I want to expand that just a little bit to not only thinking of our ideal self. Of course, we are. A family is made up of individuals. And everyone should have set those goals, have that vision of becoming their ideal self. But also, what is the ideal for our family? What kind of relationships do we want to have? How do we want to work together when there is a hard challenge? Of course, you didn't plan on your daughter being diagnosed with leukemia. But you planned for this, I, everyone becoming their ideal self and your family being functioning at the ideal level. And therefore, you got the result you did yes i i love that i love and you're absolutely right it has to do with the family too and even you know, kind of revisiting our conversation about my relationship with my husband prior to this cancer diagnosis in our family we hit a, a challenge i mentioned when i started my business it was a challenge even for family he was one of those he wasn't totally on board with me going all in with this but that was where part of that communication came but also in my own personal development, I realized what was happening is I could see that ideal version of not just myself, but of our relationship and our marriage 
And I knew that me going for this goal was going to be good for us long-term. I could see it. So, you know, if I could like kind of theoretically in my mind, imagine us holding hands and walking towards that goal. Eventually my brain hits that comfort zone, which the natural response to that comfort zone is to recoil. But the thing that motivated me to keep going was the long-term benefit financially, relationally, everything. And so it was almost as if, and this is how I pictured it in my mind, it's like, I didn't let go of him, but I, I like passed him a rope. And I'm kind of like, theoretically, I'm like, I'm going to keep moving down this rope. I'm not letting go. But like, when you're ready, you just come and I'm going to get there and it's going to help us out. And, mm. and, so, and, and that is kind of what happened, right? It's like, I never let go of the relationship or gave up on it. It might've felt like it to him, and, but I was really communicating as best as I can. This is going to be good for us long-term. And so we kind of had that practice of growing through comfort zone and communication so that when it came to this additional challenge in our life, we knew we might have different ideas, but if we work together, it was going to be okay. Oh, beautiful analogy. I love that. Now we just have a, like a minute and a half left. Tell us how your parents are going to want to learn more about what you're doing and how, what's the best way for them to reach? Oh, that's great. Well, I'm all over social media and probably where everything is collected together is my flow page. So you go to flow.page slash Carla Italiano. That's F-L-O-W dot page slash Carla with a K, Italian plus an O. <laughs> You'll find all my my social media, my my LinkedIn, my Facebook is probably where I'm most active, my Instagram, and also um, my link to my website and my business and uh, the things that I offer as far as nutrition, or just, um, you know, reach out to me. My email address is CarlaItaliano at gmail.com. All right. So they just need to know your name and they're going to be able to find you. Yes. Awesome. Carla, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the for coming come the listeners come back again next week at the same time we will be listening to Daniel and Juliet and they are fertility wellness experts and they have the answer for couples over 35 who long to have that precious little one they have an answer till then Love yourself, love your families. Remember, we're making the world a better place by strengthening families, one family at a time. This is Emma Lou Penrod at HealingYourFamilies.com.